God's favor. Um, Lord, you're good. You are kind. And uh, thank you for Ed Lowry. Thank you for this visual reminder that faith, hope, and love are real. And they're, they're anchor points that help us make it through the day as those who follow you. And I ask for your grace and favor right now. Please, I, I commit to honoring your word. And I ask for your grace to be honest right now. Um, those online, Lord, Abba, Father, speak to them. Help them listen and, and, and engage with your word. Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, last Sunday, we looked at Jacob had this amazing encounter with his brother and experienced grace and he experienced forgiveness. And he said to his brother, when I look at you, I see your face as one who sees the face of God. Grace is a powerful thing. Forgiveness is really powerful. Um, just to kind of steer us back in, in this idea of story, God is filling, he's filled his scriptures with stories. Genesis, all through the scriptures, they reveal his truth, his heart, his values, his character. Um, for an example on story, Ed, of course, you're, you're a writer, producer. Uh, Joseph is subtly woven into the script, to this line. Genesis 30 uh, she named him Joseph. Genesis 33, when Jacob's about to face his brother, he presents all the people that he wants Esau to see first. And the last one is Joseph. So he's subtly being woven into the script because in the storyline, everything's going to shift over to Joseph, this ultimate savior figure being woven into the text. Really beautiful. Genesis 34, wow, it's a snapshot of what's going to happen to Canaan around 1422 B.C. Pretty intense. I want to get into it and, and uh, mind you of the sensitivities of the text. Uh, Dinah, in Hebrew, Dinah. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her, violated her horribly. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, get me this girl for my wife. All right. At this time, I'm, and I'm skipping a lot to honor, to, to honor little ears, um, there's a lot of tension that forms between Hamor, his son Shechem, that is infatuated with Dinah, and then Jacob and his sons over their sister, what's happened to her. And what's curious is that Jacob takes a completely passive posture and does nothing. And we're not sure exactly what's going on, but it's as though his sons say, dad ain't going to do nothing. We'll take care of business. You almost get that feel, okay? There's an exchange between uh, Hamor and Jacob over the bridal price. And, and Jacob's saying, I'll pay anything. Name a blank check. Name the amount. I want this girl. And the, the brothers, Donna's brothers, 
set a trap using circumcision as the test. All right, now, let's talk a little bit about child abuse uh, very, very briefly. This is from the 2019 census about child abuse based on gender. In 2019, 337,000 plus females were violated, were abused in 2019. 316,000 plus males were abused. I think those numbers are low. I think it's much higher because so much of child abuse, Brian, you see it all the time. So much of this stuff is not reported. In 2020 alone, child abuse spiked, I know you know this, 92% in Arkansas with one reported case, two unreported. Why? Because the federal government thought it a logical thing to do a full national lockdown and put children at home all day long with moms and dads. And when you have liquor stores that are considered essential businesses, you get a mom who's angry because she's got to be home all day, dad who's really, really angry because he's got to be home all day, add a little liquor, and then you add some kids at home, bad, bad stuff happens. Plus, who's the number one reporter of child abuse for children? Who? Teachers. Teachers. They're not in school. Yeah. Okay. Bad stuff. By the way, um, Andrea, thank you for the heads up on this article. In Louisiana, uh, because we're in, Brian, we're in this kind of anti-cop, communist, socialist kind of idea that we don't need law enforcement. Ha! That makes sense. Look at Chicago. You know, look at New York. Look at all the radically liberal states. They're falling apart. And so they, uh, they got rid of the, uh, the uh, service officers, the, the, the police officers that work at the schools. Guess what happened? Brawls, fights in the hallway, teachers at it, they can't control the kids. And so guess what they did? Some dads said, we're going to be responsible. And so a bunch of dads get the T-shirts on that says, I'm dad on duty, dad on duty. And they're walking the hallways and guess what's happened? No facts. How cool is that? I think it's amazing. Yeah. And they were interviewed. Um, are you all counselors? No. Um, are you all trained in law enforcement? No. Then why are you here? <laughs> we're dads. How's that for being qualified? If you're a dad, you're qualified, right? So what's the point? We protect our kids. Um, you may have heard the horrific, horrific news out of uh, Luton, Virginia, where a girl was in the bathroom and uh, a male claiming gender fluidity comes in and horrifically assaults, not unlike Dinah, this girl in the bathroom. And guess what the superintendent did? Covered the whole thing up. Yeah. Because we can't offend those kind of people. Right? And then guess what came out, Brian? The email that he sent day of, day of, saying what happened. So and, and, and by the way, our, our beloved Department of Justice, yes, I did say DOJ online. It's all documented on Facebook. <laughs> Come get me. They probably will eventually. Um, they label parents who confront school boards as potential terrorists. A label? That's a label to put on a parent? Who, who is just asking questions? Yeah. The U.S. has changed. Have you noticed? <laughs> it's changed, yeah. The superintendent, uh, Ziegler, 
has since apologized. And they're saying they're changing policies on how they care for kids. So, uh, the meeting down below, or the, the image down below, this is really cool. These are the parents of, of Luton County who are having their own school board meeting. Since they were forbidden, they're doing their own, which is really, really good. What's the point? Children must be protected. You do everything in your power to protect a child. Yeah. Um, if, if you guys can just get a quick scan in your brains about Jesus and how he relates to people, who is he hardest against? Who? Pharisees, right? Who is he most radically for? What's that? Children. Those that cannot fight for themselves. And that means the, the mentally retarded. That means the crippled, the demon-possessed, and children. In fact, he says, if anybody harms one of these little ones... It is better for that person that a millstone be put around his neck and he be cast in the Sea of Galilee. That's a better outcome than what God will render. We've got to protect kids, okay? Um, all right, let's get back in the text. This is, this is intense. I want to talk about, about a passive father and angry sons. But Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father him with deceit because he had defiled their sister Dinah. And they said, we can't do this thing. That is, uh, give our sister to a man who's uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we consent to you if you'll become like us, and that every male of you will be circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take our daughters for ourselves, or your daughters for ourselves, and we will live with you and become a one people. But if you do not listen to us to be circumcised, then we'll take our daughter and go. Nanner, nanner, boo-boo. All right. Mm. Why was Jacob passive in response to the assault on his daughter? Why? Why didn't he do something about it? You know? Why? Well, number one, maybe he had just experienced life-changing grace and forgiveness for his sins against Esau. And he was so full of the grace and the love of God and this unspeakable mercy that he just, he's just he, gave, he became an old softy, Jan. He just, come on. Maybe he had his own history of guilt regarding sexual sin. Maybe that's what it was. Sometimes the things we struggle with kind of impede and break ourselves down so that we don't know how to deal with it in somebody else. We struggle with this stuff. Or how about this? Females are just things males own. No big deal. Well, that doesn't make sense. What about this one? His sons were angry over what they saw Laban do to their dad and mom. What do you guys think? Pop quiz, what do you think? Why was Jacob so passive? Why well, didn't do anything? Anybody? He was afraid of the people of the land. He was in a foreign, <coughs> foreign land. And, uh, That's what the text says. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about leadership as men. Men, I want to address you just for a little bit. I love this statement. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. I think that's true. All right, men. We have got to learn the skill of integrating grace and truth and courage in our decisions. 
This really is the essence of leadership. In my mind, if you want a functional definition of leadership, it's this. Be the first one to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. You do that, bam, you're a leader. It has nothing to do with credentials, nothing to do with age, nothing to do with gender, none of that. You be the first one to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason, and wow, you are a leader. And that's exciting. And that inspires and challenges and brings conviction, by the way. Um, John 1.17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. You know, when we... Um, when we struggle with our own sin, we might default to grace and miss out on truth. Or we might go all truth and miss out on grace. And in either extreme, we don't do well. We, we struggle with ourselves and we struggle with others. But when those two things with courage can meet inside of us, we can really start living the life God wants us to. So, all right, revenge. Now, it came about on the third day when these men were in pain, the two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came in upon the city undetected and killed every male. And when you go on to the text, it, it is massive destruction, a complete sweep of the entire area, which hints at what's coming when these 12... The, the offspring of these 12 men come as the nation of Israel under the leadership of Joshua. The 12 tribes, this is a hint at what the 12 tribes are going to do in a few hundred years. So, verse 30, Lee, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me repulsive among the inhabitants of the land among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Since my men are few in number, they will band together against me and attack me, and I will be destroyed, I and my household. But they said, should we treat our sister like a prostitute? Dad, we're going to do nothing? That's the answer? You know. Can you see it? Passive male, leader, angry sons, one in, bound by fear, the other bound by anger. Okay, let's look at this. This is verse 35. This is beautiful. God says to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Remember when you were so scared and you ran to me? Go back to that place. <laughs> That's, there's a sermon right there. When we're in bondage of fear, go back to the place where God... God healed you. Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, remove the foreign gods which were among you and purify yourselves, or which are among you, and purify yourselves and change your garments. And let's arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me on the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which they had, and the rings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. Can we add this would be a great scene in a movie. What do you think Rachel did at this point? Do you remember? What did Rachel do to her dad Laban? She snuck in, Sonny, and stole his gods, right? The little household idols. 
and infuriated Laban. Laban chased him down, went tent to tent trying to find these household gods. And Rachel was sitting on them and she said, look, I'm on my menstrual cycle. Please don't come near me. She was hiding, sitting on the saddlebags that had the, had the idols in them, right? She had them the whole time. Isn't it amazing that God was at work at Jacob, even though in his own family there's idolatry going on? I think it's grace. And uh, I can imagine Rachel going up to Jacob here. I've had these the whole time. Can you imagine what Jacob's... It's like, <gasps> yeah, we don't know. We don't know. But I bet it was a uh, pretty honest moment between them. Idolatry is the sin at the root of so many of our problems. Men, just because you've experienced a deep life-changing encounter with God doesn't mean your kids have. Doesn't mean your wife has. Your spouse. Okay? Be a leader to help protect your wife and kids from idolatry. And if they're into it, man, help them get out of it. (laughs) Help your kids get out of idolatry. Uh, It may sound silly, but this becomes an idol. It really does. Okay, let's, let's flesh this out. Jacob has experienced the forgiveness of his brother Esau radically changing his life. Okay. Jacob is ready to go deeper with God. God's will for his life is his destiny. He's approaching his destiny. He's about to officially become Israel. There's going to be a name change. There is no room for idols at this point. God promises a multitude of nations shall come from you. Dinah was horribly abused. Children must be protected. Jacob's passivity was wrong. The behavior of Jacob's sons was evil. By the way, uh, there's a reference in Genesis 35, 22, where Jacob's son Reuben goes in and violates Bilhah, one of Jacob's wives. It's a mess. It's a mess. And by the way, and Jacob does nothing. Uh, When you live in fear or you live in anger, you're typically going to be drawn to wrong decisions, bad decisions. When you're enraged or you're literally terrified, you lose the ability to make a good decision. The sons of Jacob get the reputation of being dangerous. You think, think, Lee, word got out. These Israel people are rough characters. So they flee. Uh, yeah, the people of the land are afraid of Israel now. Jacob's own sin and the sin of his children did not disqualify him from his calling to become Israel. I think there's grace in that. Jacob's own sin, the sins of his son, did not disqualify him from becoming the man God called him to be. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe that hits at a nerve in you guys, in me, that um, we think if we mess up, we're no good. We've lost hope. And there's no hope. <laughs> we've messed up. We've sinned. And, and sometimes we think we're so disqualified that we just kind of, we marginalize ourselves. We, we, we create trash out of ourselves and we just kind of say, well... God can't use me anymore. But the fact is, God used Jacob. God used his kids. 
even though there was great sin. The story teaches us that all have sinned, right? And however God continues to show his love and grace and favor to those who believe. And guess what? The shameful, ugly parts of our story, they can be submitted to the love and grace of God. All right, Christ Church, you are the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you, and he's gifted you to do the work of the ministry. Paul said that. It is the church that does the work of the ministry, not the paid staff. It's the church. So I want you to take owner of the ownership. Uh, Stephen, anybody online? Uh, let me know. Uh, those on Facebook, those on the app, please uh, engage on this story. Um, Janice, how would you give us um, counsel? I really like the part that no matter what we've done, our God's plan is still for us. Yeah. But I, I have to say, when I look at the passivity of Jacob in this story, it kind of reminds me of the church. We have become so passive yeah. in this day and age. We don't stand up for the things that are right. Yeah. We should. We just go, oh, well, Jesus loves you. Yeah. You know, and this, I, if I was dying up and going to be sold to the man that raped me, I'd be living. Yeah. Why, why, why is so many churches and so many pastors passive? Why? I, I think it's fear. We, wanna, we want to make everybody like us, but yeah. we're not told to do that. You're worried about losing members? And when you lose a member, giving goes down. Exactly. And then we're going to close the doors. And so become afraid. Absolutely. Stephen? Yeah, so Jennifer Burgess asked a great question. She said, what might righteous action have looked like in this situation? Great. I was hoping that would come up. Christchurch owned that one. Jennifer's out of Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, Joseph was passive. His sons were angry. What if Joseph was more of a leader. What could he have, what should have happened? Anybody? Joe? I got you here. All right. Rewind a little bit. We're dealing, as we've said here before, with ancient uh, Near Eastern peoples who have an entirely different way of thinking about everything than we do. Yes. The violation of Donna is not just purely driven by sexual desire. It's an act of domination against these guys that Shechem knows are wandering around. Just like later on, when Reuben goes in and lays with Jacob's wife, it's an act of domination to his father to show that I'm a stronger alpha male here and you're in my control. Jacob recognized this. That's why it says specifically he didn't do anything until his sons came back in. His problem was he was passive to the fall. There was wisdom in not immediately reacting. All right, let's go slaughter these guys. As his son showed when they did it, and <laughs> they right. put her out. Jacob should have, and this is something you don't just do when the situation comes. As a leader, you have to develop trust, respect, and people to follow you so that when the time comes to make the decision, you have the respect. Jacob has not done this. And therein lies his problem. He tells his sons, all right, let's hold off, let's think about this, let's figure out the right course of action. He has not cultivated the respect in them for those words to stick. Therefore, they just go off yeah. and do what they think is the right thing to do out of yeah. passion and anger. It's not a matter of what he did here. It's a matter of what he hadn't done leading up to this point. Yeah. And going forward, you see what, it, what happens when they throw jo Joseph in the pit and leave him to be either dead or sold. Jacob doesn't take any... He's silent again. He's silent again. This is, yeah. he's, he's passive to a fault. Yeah. So yeah. the wisdom lies in understanding when to wait and pray and go to God yeah. and when to act. Yeah. And having, you know, if, if you're in a leadership position, having built that respect... So when the yeah. time for decision comes, people fall. Yes, that's so good. Coulda, shoulda, woulda happened. What would you say? What? Yes, Kathy. Just to add what he said, he needed to deal with 
Yes. And what's interesting and tragic is, you know, when David comes along, the same thing happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, not the same situation, but his, his kids and all of that just are a mess. And I think sometimes what we tend to do is look outward a little bit more than, than inward. And as far as dealing with you know, what's going on with our own family, if he would have gotten his kids together and, like you said, you know, cultivated that whole, you know, I'm, I'm the head of the household, then it would, this wouldn't have happened. But I think we have to do that. And then you can apply it to the church. The church needs to take care of themselves and work mm -hmm. on the issues inside. Mm -hmm. And then that way, when things come to it and threaten it, like we're seeing now, then the church itself is stronger. Mm -hmm. That's so good, Kathy. You, you just quoted Paul, 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, really. Most all of 1 Corinthians. So uh, let me encourage you in something, and I've got to watch the time. Um, if you have a problem with idolatry, do you know what it does? It has a blinding effect on you. When you have idols in your heart and in your house, it's like you're trying to see. You want to hear from God. You want to see God. You want God to talk to you. But you've got so many idols blocking your vision that you just, well, I don't know. God's not talking to me. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, you've got a heart full of idols. What do you expect? In fact, God, it's interesting that God says regarding idolatry that God starts to feel jealousy about us. So, someone else, how we apply this to our world today. Thank you, Jennifer, by the way. Anybody else? By the way, uh, a, a note to children. It's hard for adult children, it's hard for little children to follow the leadership of an idolatrous dad. It's hard for kids and adult children to follow the leadership of an idolatrous mom. Just hard. Just hard. Someone else, how do we live this up? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's so good, Michael. Choose you this day. Did you guys see on news that in Manitoba, Canada, the pastor that was arrested because he wouldn't stop preaching, did you see what happened? They offered to let him go if he would agree to stop preaching. No kidding. Book of Acts come to life, people. <laughs> Seriously, Book of Acts come to life in our, in our sister nation above us. Manitoba, Canada, we will let you out. Brian will get you out of jail. He was in prison. If you stop preaching, because if you stop preaching, the church will stop meeting. And if the church stop meetings, we'll comply to COVID regulations. Okay. And guess what he said? No way. Back in jail for me, buddy. I, there's no way. And I love that. I love that. 
That's being a leader, doing the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. There's no way I'm going to sign a document committing that I will not preach because that goes against everything God has accomplished in my life. I'm not going to do it. I think that's amazing. Give me goosebumps. Someone else. Michael, thank you. Choose you this day. Anybody else on how we live this out? Anybody online, Stephen? Okay. So let's do the shift to this. Um, what about the ugly parts of your story? Don't tell them. To keep, keep it quiet right now. Hold on. <laughs> what if you submitted that to the grace and love of Jesus? Think about it. Like the dumbest thing you've ever done that nobody knows about. <laughs> right? The most foolish thing you've done. The most cruel Selfish, greedy thing you've done that nobody knows about. What if you've submitted that to the love and grace of Jesus? What could be different about your life? Now let's jump to that idea. What would happen if we were the Jacob or we were the Simeon or Levi and we made the bad decision, David and everybody else in the Bible, right? And we submitted the ugly parts of our testimony to the love and grace of Jesus. What could be different about our lives? What do you think? At the end? Um, so, one, it, it would it, it would help others know, like, yes. I'm, like, to be a Christian, it doesn't mean you're perfect. Right, um, right, right. And they can, it makes, it makes our story relatable. Yes. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And if, if we have, you know, if, if we've given it Right, it's right. Like we're not so, we're not so like embarrassed by it that we don't, we don't share, mm-hmm. and so we're able to share. Yeah, that's wise, Deanna. Very wise. You know, you understand shame, right? Shame is a deep human reflex that we that we're afraid we're going to lose a relationship. Right? We feel shame. We're we're afraid. What did Adam? What did Adam and Eve do in the garden? They hid themselves and tried to self-cover, self-savior, a savior reflex, a shame reflex. It's deeply in us. Do you know that's exactly what Satan wants? He wants us to feel shame because if we can feel shame, what are we going to do? We're going to separate. We hide. We go into hiding. That's what he wants. He wants to destroy us through shame and the idea that we're disqualified because he doesn't want us to be united. And when the church can be united and, and conquer shame through the love and grace of Jesus and the truth of Jesus, then we are a powerful force. We are. Jam. It Jan. Is it good to see you? Wow, Tammy, good to see you. So um, I had a life changing Memory. 
and I did this, and I stole these crayons, and I, you know, stole candy bar when I was six, and anyway, I went through it all, saying, please, God, forgive me, please, God, every time. I came out of that changed, and mm -hmm. I mean, my heart is lighter, I don't, I try not to get so aggravated, except for Joel, because he's 13, and I just want to choke him. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, I'm still, that's a work in progress, but, uh, you know, when God literally, and people can laugh all they want, God came to me in the middle of the night, when I was crying and said, it's not time, it's not not yet. He literally said, I heard it, not yet. Mm. So I knew I wasn't going to die. But uh, the love and the grace of God, because I put on my Facebook mm. post that one day, is if you need me to tell you about God's grace, come see me. Mm. Because I've lived through it. Mm. And I'm telling everybody right now, you need, the, you need a dose of love and grace, come see me. Mm. Jen, well, that was more than enough. Thank you, sweetheart. You know you're all of us. Your story is all of us. Yeah. Tammy, I'm putting you on the spot, my dear, quiet yeah, friend. Yeah, 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 Tammy's here. Tammy, what impact has Jan had on your life? Putting you so on the spot right now. You can be mad at me later. There you go. And isn't that when we're full of the love and grace of God and the ugly parts of our story have been healed. Wow, that river of living water can flow out of us and we can bring God's love and grace to others. But when that hasn't happened, you live in such fear and such shame that you're incapacitated and you become grossly passive. Or you become so bitter and so angry, you'll draw, draw the sword about anything. You'll come at a fly, a mosquito-sized problem with your sword. You'll way overreact. Leviticus 26.1, You shall not make for yourselves idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves a carved image or a memorial stone, nor shall you place a figure stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. There's just something about settling up that Jesus Christ is Lord with no other gods before you. Stephen? Yeah, LaDonna Henry, uh, I guess in response to the question that was asked earlier, she said, it would free our heart from the pain and shame we carry. God will wipe the shame from us and make us feel whole again. Mm, LaDonna, thank you so much, so much. <sighs> question. Um, Satan wants us to feel mm -hmm. shame mm -hmm. when we sin. And I think this is something that I've probably struggled to question for a long time, but what is an appropriate emotion mm -hmm. um, when we sin? Because yeah. to completely ignore it just tramples right. God. Right, you can't, you can't do that, yeah. And the other half of that is uh, just going completely down where Satan wants you to. Yeah, yeah, and that's the idea. Now, we're going to struggle a little bit here because we're getting into words in, in what's called semantic range and what does this word mean and that word mean. So one way to kind of solve that problem is there's a huge difference between guilt and shame. 
guilt, you've done wrong, you know it, you admit it, you own it, and you, you seek forgiveness and restoration. You're guilty, and you ask forgiveness. Appropriate response of embarrassment, uh, and now we're kind of borrowing that idea of shame, um, feeling bad about what happened, repentant, absolutely. That is a holy and right response to, to these things. Shame, on the other hand, uh, is when you're grabbing onto Satan's mindset and his values that what you've done is so bad, so dark, that it's not just that you did a bad thing, but that you are the bad thing. And being as bad as you are, you absolutely are completely disqualified and cut off from God. It's taking things to a horrific, hellish extreme. Yeah. Um, I, I need to push you just a little bit here, okay? How many times do you, ask, do you, do you have to ask forgiveness for the same sin? How many times, Pam? What do you think? A million? Well, <laughs> no, no, no. You, you committed. This. Okay, let's just nail it down. Okay, thank you, Paul. You committed. You committed a sin in January of 2015, and you can't get it out of your mind. So you keep asking forgiveness for it. Why? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there's something inside of us that we want to be our own savior. We want to fix it for ourselves, so we can go. God, look at me. I'm all better. Accept me. I saved myself. I, I took care of myself. And this is where faith comes in. Where we do submit the ugliest parts of who you are that nobody knows about. And we submit that to the love and grace of Jesus. Yes. Self saviors. Yeah. Yeah. so good Deanna thank you well Christ Church you've done so well thank you very very much um, yeah <coughs> for God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life that's grace uh, okay real last pop quiz I'm done I keep saying that last one if you have truly experienced the mercy of God and you're born again, what is one of the number one things Jesus said we should do now that we are recipients of mercy? We should what? Share it. Share it. How you treat people is absolutely... If you're, if you're a Jesus follower, okay, how you treat people is the clearest reflection of what God has accomplished in you. And if you have Jesus, Paul, Paul said it, Jesus said, as you have freely received, freely give. If I've given you abundant mercy, 
show abundant mercy. Does this make sense? Mercy and love are coming off of the elbows of Jan Fields because that's what she's received. Okay? So Jesus told a story. He said, once upon a time, there was a king who called in all his servants to pay their debts. And there was a slave that owed him 10,000 talents. Now you understand that, Justin, that's hyperbole. No king would have access to that much cash, number one, and number two would give that to a slave. But you get the point. Jesus can say it. All right. And he said, pay up. And the slave said, what? (gasps) Have mercy. Forgive me. I'll work hard and pay back every penny. And the king had compassion, forgave him this radical debt that it would take scores of generations to pay back. And the man was so happy he left and he found his buddy that owed him 40 days of labor, a little bit, five bucks. And he said to him, pay up. And the man says the exact words, have mercy, forgive me, please be patient. I'll work and I'll pay every penny back. And this guy who was forgiven 10,000 talents said, nope. Grabs him by the neck, chokes him to throw him in debtor's prison, which means it's a labor camp. That's what that means. And then the king found out about it. And I do not want to tell you what happens next. Because it's really bad. (laughs) Okay. What Jesus is saying, if you're my follower and I've forgiven you of your 10,000 talent moral debt, you better forgive the five bucks your buddy owes you. You better. Because if you don't, you're missing the whole point of being a Jesus follower. Yeah. Mercy is a powerful thing. It's late and we're going to sing love songs (laughs) to our Savior. Abba, Father, I love you. I thank you. Thank you for LaDonna. Thank you for Jennifer, everybody that's here. Lord, your word is alive. It's, it's quick. It's powerful. And I'm asking in the name of your son, Jesus, that as we have received your grace and mercy, we give that. That we don't err on the side of passivity nor on the side of anger, but that we'll walk out your grace and your truth. Thank you that you tell us these ugly stories of, of your followers in, in Scripture because that's who we are. And we have our ugly story, too. And your grace is more than enough. Thank you for faith, hope, and love. In Jesus' name, amen.